Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we are going to talk about dealing with insurance claims. And joining me today is John Growth. He's an attorney. Welcome to the show, John. Well, thank you for having me. This hopefully is interesting. It's interesting to me, maybe not interesting to everybody, but I think (laughs) it's sadly something that occurs a lot more frequently these days where you're getting involved in a car crash or some kind of issue and you have to figure out what to do. And certainly... That's going to affect your bottom line because who's going to pay for what, right? Okay, I have to put this out there because I think a lot of people may be thinking it. I'm talking to an attorney about insurance. So are you one of those ambulance chasing lawyers that's, you know, going after people? Oh, man. So I just did a a video on ambulance chasers and why it's insulting to call us ambulance (laughs) chasers. But yes, I am one of the uh, people that helps victims. I'm a victim advocate. I like that better. It sounds better than an ambulance chaser. Uh, But no, I, yeah, I'm somebody that if you were involved in an accident, um, you have some issue that somebody else's negligence harms you. I'm the person that'll come and help you deal with all the different insurances and then try to figure out how we can maximize the money in your pocket. Well, I kind of want to skip to insurance 201 instead of starting with 101, because I think most people understand if you're in an accident and hopefully you have auto insurance or whatever it is you have, they understand how to do that claim. But what happens if your claim is denied? What steps do we have to take when that happens? If your claim is denied, um, I guess there's a couple of different reasons why the claim could be denied, Right. The claim could be denied because there's an exclusion in your policy that maybe you're driving for DoorDash, for example, but you didn't have that on your policy. Or your claim could be denied because it's something where they're saying that you're partially at fault for a car crash, for example. Or your claim could be denied if you're walking down the street and um, you walk into a restaurant and they, they have something on the floor that you're not aware of and you fall For our example, and most of the time, insurance companies will almost always deny every premises liability case because that's in their business, because it's easier to deny and then force you to break that barrier to entry and force you to have an attorney to try to enforce your rights uh, because there's the attrition rates pretty high. A lot of people aren't going to hire an attorney because they don't want to because they don't like attorneys, which, which is fine. But that's the strategy of insurance companies to deny, 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 because a good percentage of those cases won't be compensable. People won't get representation or won't ask the insurance company why or make the insurance companies have to explain why there's a denial. You mentioned something that I hadn't actually thought about. If I do need a little bit of extra cash and I decide to do DoorDash or, you know, Uber Eats or something along those lines, I wasn't aware, actually, I would need to tell my insurance company that the way I drive and how much driving I'm doing has changed. Yes. I think that's something that, that people are not aware of or they're aware of and they just don't tell the insurance because they don't want the rates to increase because they think the rates are going to increase. So let me go back to the beginning. This is why I tell everybody that I run into, and certainly I'll tell all your listeners now, it's so important to deal with an independent insurance agent. Don't just go online and you know type in, I want insurance, and then click buttons through Geico or Progressive or State Farm. That's not going to be as, as helpful for you to protect you because the intent of insurance is to protect you personally. If you're just filling out boxes and buttons online, they're not really going to know your whole story. Having a person that you're dealing with, an independent insurance agent, 
is going to provide you with so much more protection uh, because they're going to know to ask those questions. Do you drive for Uber? Do you drive for DoorDash? You know, things like that, that um, you may have to have a rider on your policy that says you're going to pay a, a few dollars extra every month to get the protection for driving for hire. I have in my personal insurance is if somebody else is actually driving my car and my car is hit or damaged, they are protected under my insurance. I would have assumed that that included things like for Uber along with my regular job. So so there's a couple of things there. You have a permissive user portion of the policy, and that's pretty standard. So if you have your buddy Jim down the street who needs to drive you to drive you to the eye doctor and back because you're getting your eyes dilated. That's totally fine. That's a permissive user. You're permitting that person to drive your vehicle. And that's usually covered. I'm really only talking about Wisconsin law because that's all I can talk about is Wisconsin law, but it's pretty standard. Most insurance policies are, are standardized nowadays, but you do have the protection of your insurance to cover a permissive user of your vehicle. It's different if you're driving for hire because if you're driving just to go to the doctor and back, that's pretty typical. You know, those are the miles that you would take, the mileage that you would have told your insurance company about how many miles you drive mm-hmm. in any given month. Okay. If you're driving for hire, that mileage is going to increase. And that means, you know, the, the bells and whistles are going off for insurance companies because they want to assess risk. If you're on the street that much more and you're driving probably rush hour, for example, or you're, you're driving longer distances, you're stopping and starting more, you have a higher risk of getting involved in a crash. Therefore, they're going to need to charge you more because you're a higher risk. Thank you. That gives us a little bit more background. But then to go to one of your examples, let's say I slipped and fell in a restaurant or something, and so I, and I injured myself, so I filed a, an insurance claim and it was denied. What is the next step for it being denied if I want to pursue it? I'm like, look, the reason I filed this claim is I need money. I have hospital bills. I'm out of work for a while. So now what do I do? And that's a great question. And usually what's going to happen is there's going to be an outright denial. They're going to say, no, we don't believe that we're responsible. The question you need to ask is why, you know, always ask why, uh, no matter what, just why, 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 and ask if there's any other insurance policies that may cover this loss. Because they may be looking at the liability coverage, but there also might be what's called PIP or MedPay or no-fault MedPay coverage. So just simply go back and ask, is there any other insurance um, that I can have the benefit of? Uh, For example, when you're at some commercial facilities, they have a no-fault MedPay that might pay uh, $500 or $1,000. That's on the commercial property owner's own policy. And the commercial property owner may say, okay, I want to pay for X amount uh, because that might alleviate the need for people to even have to make a full-fledged claim. So they're not going to have that hit against their insurance and their rates won't go up because they'll be paying small portions. You know, you can understand the risk there. So you have to ask at least, why are you denying and is there any other insurance that may be applicable? The other thing is this, there might be other people that are managing the property. So you might be in like a, a strip mall and there's a Jimmy John's and a video store blockbuster. I don't know. I made you myself, but whatever in this, in a grocery store. Well, the, the individual tenants of that structure may have their own insurance, but 
it might be a structural defect to the property. And that's the commercial property's insurance's responsibility to pay for those losses. So if you go to the manager of the Jimmy John's and say, can you pay my medical bills because you guys didn't do what you were supposed to do? They might say, we deny. Well, are they denying because it's not in their policy? It's somebody else's policy. So that's why you should always ask why, why, why? And are there any other policies available? What if we've run the gamut of the people that we think could possibly pay us some money? I want my money here. Mm -hmm. And it's all still denied. Now what's the next step? Well, the next step then is what evidence do you have to see if there is something that some action or inaction of that property owner that they violated the law? And that's really, I mean, it's self-serving, but I would say it's not going to cost you anything. It's not going to be a a great risk to talk to an attorney to see, okay, are they properly denying? If they're not properly denying, then you would have a claim against the insurance and the insurance's responsibility to themselves is to make as much money for their um, stockholders and their, well, just for the insurance company period. So they're going to deny that's their, their business. And that's fine. That's great. You know, th- their goal is to get as much as they can in his premiums and pay out as little as possible in claims. So denials or lowball offers is okay. That's their business model. The other business model is guys like us, uh, attorneys who are trying to hold their feet to the fire. And in our world, most of us don't charge any hourly fee. It's all contingent upon recovery. So it's not going to hurt you. And it's not going to cost you anything usually to go to an attorney and say, hey, you know, attorney growth, are they properly denying? And then we can say, okay, well, let's look at the evidence and see if they are properly denying or not. This is a great place to take a break because I do want to follow up on that. Do I always have to call an attorney? And we will address that when we come back with John Grove. He is a victim advocate attorney. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that affects your life in any way money-wise. We're talking about it. And today we're talking about insurance claims dealing with them, especially if they get denied. So joining me today is John Growth. He is a victim advocate attorney. And John, we were just dealing with, you know, what are the steps you should be taking if an insurance claim is denied? And toward the end, you said, well, you may have to call an attorney. So I'm wondering, do I have to call an attorney for every time I have an insurance issue? No. And I say this pretty frequently is, there is so much information online that you can probably handle some claims yourself. For example, let's say you're involved in a car accident and you go to the doctor once or twice and um, you're fine and, and you believe that you're okay and the insurance company has taken some responsibility, then I don't know why you would need to have an attorney involved. If you're involved in a car accident, you believe it's not your responsibility and the insurance company denies the claim, then it's something you can look online to try to figure out, okay, why? What keywords are the insurance companies using to deny my claim? You know, is it comparative negligence or other things? You'll kind of get a sense of what they're saying, and you can certainly Google those and figure out what the analysis is, what their strategy is, and how you can overcome those hurdles. So yeah, there are some cases where you can. What I always say in addition to that is, you hire an attorney like me kind of for the same reasons that you go and get insurance in the first place to protect you for the what ifs in life. You know, what if it's not just one or two visits to the doctor? What if 
they are saying that you're partially at fault. What if they aren't paying for certain parts of your treatment or they don't want to pay for certain things after a certain date? Then the concern is, are you saying the right thing, doing the right thing? Are your Google searches using the right language to get the right answers? There's some uncertainty there. And many times uncertainty leads to inactivity. And then you just give up and say, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this again. The alternative is you can hire a lawyer in the very beginning and say, okay, I know this is contingency fee, meaning I'm not going to have to pay my attorney unless I get compensation. And then have the attorney worry about, well, what am I doing right or wrong? And hopefully you have an attorney that has an experience or that, that has experience in this kind of situation. And you can rely on them to say, okay, I've done the right thing or I'm doing the right process to make sure that I'm not going to give up anything in the end. You just said contingency fees and that paying out somebody, that's a big thing for me. A typical attorney, like if you're getting a will or something like that, you pay them a retainer fee. And then if they do more hours than that retainer fee is, then you have to pay them more. But it's that's sort of this ongoing process for people who help with insurance, most of them, or a lot of them, at least in your line, it is contingency. You only get paid if you win. And sort of my first question is, well, what if you lose all the time? How in the heck do you pay your bills? But if you do win, don't you wind up taking more of a cut from those earnings than I would have had to pay out to an attorney that I'm just doing a retainer with? Sure. So um, very good question. So I think the common perception with attorneys, right, is luckily not a lot of people get involved in car crashes, right? Luckily, not a lot of people are injured because of somebody else's negligence. If they have, you know, some criminal matter that they have to pay a retainer of, let's say it's 5000 or $10,000, and then the attorney works on a, a, like an hourly billing process where they will charge $250 an hour for however many hours they work. That's more common. And that's what you see in movies and things like that too. So that's the common perception. For me, we only get paid at the end of the case. So I have to look at these cases at the very beginning and really understand with my, hopefully my expertise about whether it's a case that the client's going to get compensation on and then take the risk. And certainly it's something that the attorney bears a lot of the risk too, because I will get paid, like you said, nothing if I handle a case for two years and spend 50 hours uh, a month on for two years. I've just lost a lot and and I will, I probably won't be in business for very long, right? So it's a matter of the attorney having the skill and the knowledge to know what kind of cases you're able to get compensation for your clients on. The other thing is with contingency fee, like you said, will we get paid more than what you would pay an attorney if you pay the attorney hourly? That's a great question. Sometimes, possibly, yes. So sometimes, if there is a case that I have examples, I had a horrific uh, motorcycle accident case. My poor clients were involved in a terrible car versus motorcycle, and they had medical expenses that were, gosh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? And they were out of work. Well, In Wisconsin, what I have to do every single time is tell my clients, you have the option. You could hire me hourly or you could hire me on a contingency. Nobody ever chooses the hourly because right now you're out of work. And if you want to hire me hourly, you'll have to pay me 
you know, $15,000 as a retainer. Well, how are you going to do that when you're just involved in a car crash, right? So right. it's a matter of then analyzing the risk yourself. Am I able to take a loan out to pay this attorney with the possibility that in the end, I would only pay the attorney $60,000, $70,000, which would be less than if we settle the case for $600,000 and the attorney would get $200,000. So I would have saved some money, but how the heck am I going to afford $70,000 over the next year when I don't have a job? You know, And similar to that is attorneys then are aligned in the interest of trying to get as much compensation as we can for our clients. So if I can get an extra you know, $6,000 out of an insurance company, I know I'm going to get an extra $2,000 in fees. So we do have that in my mind. I think it's a it's a good incentive for attorneys to work as much as we can to get every single penny that we can because we're going to hopefully earn more in the end. Right. And sorry, my cynic side says, and that's why my insurance premiums keep going up. <laughs> uh, well, it, it, it's potentially yes. Uh, you know, the cynical side too is that there was a study from the insurance companies, the Insurance Research Council back maybe nine, eight, nine years ago that said that victims with attorneys get paid about three and a half times more than victims without attorneys. Hmm. Okay? okay. And so that's good for me, you know, because um, in my mind that, that says I am adding value to my clients. Things that I see, and I see this all the time, are the cynical side where insurance companies now are doing things, for example, State Farm and Progressive does it all the time, where they'll call somebody immediately after a crash and they'll say, are you okay? Well, I'll offer you $500 right now or $1,000 right now. Luckily, you're okay. You don't have any broken bones. Maybe you see a doctor. I'll even pay you for all your medical care up to $5,000 for the next month. Will you accept that? And you're thinking, well, okay, I don't have any broken bones. Yes, I'll accept that. That sounds reasonable. Okay, What's your bank account number? I'll give it to you. I, I will wire it to you right now. And the insurance companies are doing that. And then they're creating a verbal agreement. And once you say yes, and you verbally agree to this, and you take the money in your account, that's the most you can ever get. Wow. If you go back to the doctor two days later, and they're like, yeah, the adrenaline's gone. And now you have no broken bones, but you have a torn rotator cuff, and you need to have surgery sorry, the insurance company is going to say, sorry, you agreed. So that's the opposite side that, you know, uh -huh. that's the insurance company's goal is they're going to try to do the exact opposite. I think insurance companies are going to raise the rates no matter what, everything's going to be increased. Oh, right? yeah. If you look at what's happening around the country with all where we have natural disasters and insurance companies are pulling out of a lot of those states, California, Florida in particular, oh, yeah. they're like, sorry, we're not going to insure you for anything right now. So yeah. that's pretty bad. So what financial changes can we make as people to save up? I guess that would be the change is we need to make sure we can save up for, I guess, if we wind up out of work due to accidents or something. Well, well so let me tell you, the, the most important thing I can tell you is, I guess, two things. Number one, I said before, go to an, an independent insurance agent to get your insurance. And I'm not getting paid by, I'm not an insurance agent. I'm not getting paid by them. But that is such a difference then if you go online and just type in the information because there are certain buttons that you might press that you don't know by pressing that what, what you're actually giving up. Mm -hmm. And the insurance agent hopefully is going to be one that has the knowledge to say, okay, this is what you need to, to protect yourself. People come to me, and the, and the second point is this, 
People come to me all the time and they say, I'm fully insured. I have full coverage. Well, in Wisconsin, you can have full coverage and have $25,000 in coverage for the losses you cause and $10,000 for the property damage you cause and $50,000 for underinsured motorists. So that's not a lot. I'll put you on the spot here, Heather. Okay. What if a, a flight for life comes in and they have to take you from an accident scene to an emergency room? What's the average cost of a helicopter ride? Oh, God, I think that's about forty, forty-five thousand. Tens of thousands of dollars, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. So your $25,000 is gone. You know, so that's the one thing I can tell you is you need to protect yourself by simply having enough insurance and understanding what that means. Usually it's at least six figures of an insurance and your rates are not going to increase that much from $25,000 to $100,000. If you're a homeowner, the most important thing you can do is get an umbrella policy tied in to your uninsured motorist coverage. So that's my third tip. Why is that important? Because nowadays, most states, in many states, I should say, people have an obligation to have their own insurance. So if I'm riding down the road and somebody rear-ends me and destroys my car and breaks my leg in Wisconsin, if they have insurance, they may only have $25,000 to cover for all my losses. Well, that's not going to fly. That's not going to pay for much of anything. So I had to protect myself against people who are underinsured behind me or in other cars or whatever. So how do I do that? I own a home and I have an umbrella policy on that home. They're relatively cheap. Maybe it's a couple hundred bucks a year, but talk to your insurance agent. So for the amount of insurance you can get for a couple hundred bucks, it's the best deal going. Maybe it's you know for a million dollars in an umbrella policy, you're going to pay a couple hundred bucks a year. And then you have the insurance available if you're struck by somebody who was not responsible. So that's something that if you want to protect yourself in the short term, make sure you have the right insurance out there and you finagle your insurance in certain ways that you're paying a lower premium for more coverage. And that's what the insurance policy can help you do. So my takeaway, what I've learned is I need to make sure I over-insure myself to protect against those who aren't, but also do some research. Like if I have been in an accident and I can do some of the research myself, find out if I actually really need a lawyer. And if I do, then go to one. Don't try to take it on yourself. Because as you said, the data said, if you have a lawyer, most people wind up winning three times as much as if you don't have a lawyer. Correct. Well, and this is the insurance company's, the Insurance Research Council's own study. It said 3.5 times more compensation if you hire a lawyer. So the other thing is, if you want to talk about money, it costs nothing to hire an injury lawyer like me. You know, you can have the consultation free and say, okay, I'm on the right track. I'm not. Should I hire or should I? You know, shouldn't I know? Uh, it's, it's something that hopefully it'll give you a little peace of mind. It'll be less stress because at least you ask. John, you said you're in Wisconsin. Is that the only state you're allowed to practice in as an attorney? We handle cases all across the United States that, that I've handled for people who have vacationed in Wisconsin, for example, and may live somewhere else. With the conventions, the political conventions next year, one's going to be in Milwaukee next year. So we'll have lots of visitors. So that way, yes, we handle cases for victims all across the nation. But we do have a unique part of our practice. We have a a few attorneys and staff who only do 
flu vaccine and vaccine injury, not not COVID injuries, but <laughs> vaccine injury claims. Okay. Because uh, there's billions of dollars in a fund to pay people who were injured because of vaccines. That's a whole different world. But those, I handle those claims all across the world. We have clients who were in uh, Germany, Siberia, um, anywhere in the United States who have uh, received a flu shot, for example, and have a claim. So the answer to your question is, no, it's not only Wisconsin. Okay. Where would people go to find you if they want to get more information? Sure. Thank you. It's uh, growthlawfirm.com, G-R-O-T-H, lawfirm.com. Uh, John Growth from Wisconsin. All right. Thank you so much, John, for giving us a, just a little bit more information on things we need to look out for, for insurance, and if our claims are denied for some reason, and, and if we actually need a, an attorney. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. It was lots of fun. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.